Today, we're going to finish up a series that we've been talking about for the last four weeks called Getting God's Guidance. And I've had a lot of incredible positive feedback from this series, how beneficial it's been as far as getting on track, making good decisions. No one in this place wants to live with regret. But we all know that our greatest regrets are often tied to our biggest mistakes, our biggest choices that we messed up on. And so we don't want to do that anymore. We want God to help us. And so today, we're going to talk about building a wall. Okay? Anybody ever hear that? Build a wall? And so, uh, it's not a political uh, sermon today, all right? So if you were afraid when you saw the title, what's he going to talk about? Uh, We're not going to talk about politics, all right? We got enough of that outside there. And so we're not going to talk about that. But we are going to talk about a wall that was built around a city in an incredible way. God used an ordinary person to just make this whole thing happen. And my prayer today is that God will build your faith, that God will help you to step out of the mundane because God has not called anyone here to just exist. He has called us all to something more than that, and it is a life of faith. God didn't call anyone here today to a life of comfort, all right? Jesus didn't say, come follow me and it'll be comfortable. No, he said, you're going to have some trouble by following me. The the people who don't like me, they're not going to like you. And and so there's going to be situations, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world, Jesus said. So we can be more than conquerors, Paul says. We can be overcomers in this life because he has overcome for us and his power dwells in us. Come on, somebody. His power dwells in us. So today, I want to help us to step out, perhaps, and do something. Now, I don't know what this will be for you. For some people, it could be to start school. You know, maybe you've been thinking about starting school, and maybe that's it for you. Maybe some of you have thought about starting working out. Perhaps some of you, uh, you, you've thought about starting a new job or a new career, or other people, maybe you've start, thought about starting rehab because it just seems like you can't get a handle on it yourself. You can't seem to get your life together. Perhaps some of you, you need to start serving, start giving back. Uh, I talked to somebody after first service. They said, you know, that's what I need to do. I've been coming here. I love this church. It's time for me to start giving back. And I said, you know what? You're right. (laughs) You're right. And and so today could be that day for you. And for other people, maybe to start into a life group, to start getting with other people through the week and not just have an experience on Sunday morning. For others of you, it could be to start tithing, to be like what Cassie talked about earlier, to be faithful with your finances, to invest them, to invest them in something, somewhere, where you can watch it make a difference, where you can watch lives being changed week after week after week, and you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. For too many people, it's the start that keeps them from beginning. It's, it's they don't get started. 
It's the start that stops them. And, and, and so it's, it's never, you'll never finish, rather, that what you don't start. You know, if, if you don't start it, you're never going to finish it. And so today, I pray that this message inspires your faith to start something. To get up and, and to do something bigger than yourself. And here's the great thing. Is even if you're not a Christian. Even if you just came today because somebody invited you. And they said they were going to buy your lunch afterwards. And so you're here for free lunch. You know, that's basically it. Uh, you just came to satisfy them. They've been after you. Come to my church. Come to my church. Come to my church for so long. You're like, okay, finally, I'll go. And, and then they said they'd buy your lunch too. So it's like, okay, I'll do it. Here's the great thing about being here today, even if you're not a Christian, is you can apply what I'm going to talk about even if you're not a Christian. And it'll work in your life too. These principles that we're going to look at that actually come out of the Bible, and I don't know what you think about the Bible, but, but regardless, if you'll apply... These principles I'm talking about today, they will make a difference in your life. Because, here's the thing, haven't we all tried to do something and there's been opposition? You know, have you ever done that? You know, maybe, maybe you thought, this will be the year I get out of debt. I, I'm telling you, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I am so fed up with the debt and everything. I am, we're knocking this out this year. And, and you make a New Year's resolution or whatever, and your refrigerator goes out. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, your car has to go in, and, and you're like, oh, my gosh, seriously? Or, or you know, you, you commit yourself to get in shape, and you say, you know what? I am tired of this body. You know, I am not going to look like this the rest of my life. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to do something to take care of this, to get in shape, and, and so maybe make a New Year's resolution, whatever it is. I, I just talked to a guy yesterday who's lost 115 pounds. Isn't that amazing? 115 pounds. Just decided I'm going to get on a treadmill until I die, you know? <laughs> and, and so that's kind of what he does. And, and he, you know, he started eating cleaner and better and stuff like that, too, and, and took off 115 pounds. It's amazing. He doesn't even look like the same guy. And, and so, you, you know, you may have decided, I'm going to do that. And for two weeks, you know, you're going to the gym and you're working out. You're sweating like you've never sweat before. And, and you're eating, you know, lettuce and more lettuce. And lettuce and lettuce and some lettuce with lettuce. And, 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 you know, after two weeks, you gain two pounds. And you're like, what is that? How can, how can anybody gain weight doing this? And, and so you may be frustrated because of those things. But here's, here's what God said. God looked down on his people, the Israelites, and he says, I'm telling you this. If you'll just follow me, if you'll just follow me, then you will be blessed. And other people will look at you and they'll want to know how you're blessed. They'll want to know who's your God and you'll be able to tell them the one true God is our God. And, and they will want what you have 
And, and all of them will desire what you have. And, and so you'd think that they would just hang in there, wouldn't you, with, with that. But no. Here's what they did. They looked around and they said, you know what? We're enlightened people. We're intelligent people. And we should have more than one God. We, we should have any God we want. We should be able to, you know, because all roads kind of lead to God, we should be able to have a little bit of this God and a little bit of that God and, you know, a, a little bit of this teaching and a little bit of that teaching. And we'll just kind of mash it all and mesh it all together. And, that, and, and we'll do that. And God looked down and said, hey, if you want to do it your way, go ahead. And so he took his hand of favor and blessing off of them and let them do it on their own. Because God had fought their battles for them. There were times when they were way outnumbered. There were times when they were way outgunned. There were way more against them that were for them. And yet God would bring victory into their lives. But not now. Now the Babylonians marched right into Israel. And took down their walls and destroyed them. And took many of them captive, some of the brightest, some of the best of the Israelites. They took them back into the Babylonian Empire. And for 140 years, the walls were torn down, making them totally vulnerable to anyone who wanted to walk in and out. And not only that, it was humiliating. Because a city that had been on a hill, like the Bible describes, a city that had been set aside as God's city. A city that people looked at and said, it's amazing what they've done now was lying in shambles for years and years and years. But God gave a burden to one guy. Everybody say one guy. Just one guy. One guy went and got this divine burden because Nehemiah is his name. And the Bible says he went back to his hometown. He, he heard the stories about all of this and how it had been lying in shambles for 140 years. And he says, boy, somebody's got to do something. And he was, and we're, we'll see this in a moment. Here, here's was, here was his job. He was a cupbearer to the king. He wasn't a construction worker. He wasn't an architect. He wasn't a, a person of influence. Because don't you think when God looks down, he's going to pick the brightest. He's going to pick the most influential. He's going to pick the richest. He's going to pick the one with the most gifts, the most talents, the most political power. When God looks down, isn't that who he's going to choose? But God looked down and saw Nehemiah who was the cupbearer to the king so do you know what that role was the cupbearer brought the glass of wine to the king after he had drank some of it so he tasted it first and then he brought it to the king after now some of you may think that wasn't a bad job you know hey give me that job but here's what you need to know 
is the cupbearer wasn't tasting the wine to see if it was good. He was tasting it to see if it was poisoned. And what they would do is they would watch, and if he lived, then they'd serve it to the king. So they'd wait on Nehemiah to drop dead. And, and after Nehemiah drank some wine and he's still standing, then they say, okay, now the king can drink it. And so the king would have his wine. And, and so that was his title. That was his position. In other words, he was just made basically a slave. He was just a person that, that was paid to die, perhaps, for the king's benefit. And the only thing he did was serve the wine to the king. And yet, when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and we are an embarrassment to every nation around us, instead of bringing glory to God, we are dishonoring God with the way that we are. And so he says, you know what? Somebody has got to do something about this. So it's kind of like how it works at church, right? Because we hear, boy, somebody needs to go to Peru. And build a church down there. Somebody needs to, you know, be on that missions team and go down there to Peru. Maybe that guy across the aisle, you know, or somebody else. Or we hear, boy, it'd be great, just like Cassie said, to see kids come to Christ. To be able to talk to children about Jesus each week and in their own environment, to be able to share. Jesus with them in a way that they can understand and they could accept him and man the rest of their life just like mine could be impacted so they make way better choices way better decisions because of Jesus coming into their life in an early age and we say man it'd be great to volunteer back there and we say somebody ought to do something like that somebody ought to but here's what Nehemiah did he said, somebody's got to do something about that, and it might as well be me. Well, who are you, Nehemiah? What ability do you have? It's not about me, right? It's not about my ability. The burden comes from God. And if God puts a burden on your heart, then he'll give you the power to be able to do it. So what you've got to do is just begin to start. Now, where do you start? For something like that. Who can do something so great as this challenge? What do you do when this happens? Well, the first thing Nehemiah does is he prays to God. You know, it's what we do, right? When something gets bigger than we can handle, we, we go to God. Some of us, that's really when we go to God, is when it gets bigger than we are. Look at what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 1 says, let your ear, he's talking to God, be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Next verse. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So he doesn't say, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy or whatever. He says, you know, I'm nothing. I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God, and not just me, but my family. I come from a line of sinners. Anybody with me on that? 
You know, some of us, it's a pretty good line, right? We were really good at sinning, you know? And and, and some of our relatives and whatever. And he says, hey, we've done this kind of thing. We've acted very wickedly toward you. But look at what he says. But remember, God, you remember your promise. And give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. He says, God, if you can use anything, please use me. And so it starts with prayer. He feels a burden from God. He thinks, I think God might be asking me to do something. And I pray that same spirit is in this room today. That it would brood over you. That it would move upon your heart. That it would move upon your spirit. That maybe God is calling somebody to do something. And it might as well be me. And so he meets with the king. He asks for permission. The king could have said, who are you? to come to me and ask me for a favor you are a slave you're a servant and if you're so full of yourself to think that you can go do something bigger than bring me a cup of wine each day uh, let's take his head off that could have happened but instead he prayed for favor he prayed that God would go before him God if you've given me this burden I believe you'll make it happen And so he prays and he goes in there and the king says, you can do whatever you want to do. And he grants him favor. Now, I believe that every person in here is here to do something bigger than you. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that every person alive, you are here on this planet to do something, to be part of something that is bigger than yourself. But it'll never happen until you do two things. So if you want to do something bigger than you, to do something bigger than you, and I don't know again what this might look like for you. It might be to start a life group, and that just seems so overwhelming. Or it may be to be a part of the student ministry and Talk to teenagers about Christ. Or it may be just being a godly husband and and living a a life that honors God in your home and your family. Or it could be to start a business. Maybe a business that will honor God with the way you conduct business. The way you treat other people. Or maybe it's to pay off student loans and you've been wanting to do that for a long time but you've just not been disciplined or diligent to to do it and to make it happen. And maybe today you're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to knuckle down. I'm going to make this happen. I don't know what this is for you. But here's the first step that you need to take. And the first thing you need to do is you need to start small. You start small. But listen, I'm talking about small action, not small thinking. You dream big, but you start small. Zechariah, the prophet, had a great word about how God acts when we step out in a small thing. He says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord what? Say it out loud. The Lord what? Rejoices. Rejoices. To see the work 
begin. God gets excited. I love verses that talk about what God's like. You know, how we get a a little bit of a glimpse of what he's like. And the Bible says he rejoices to see the work start. Now, the best way for me to picture this for you, perhaps, is if you're a parent. All right? And and parents do this. When, When parents have a child and the child gets to the age where they're about ready to take their first step, I heard someone say that it kind of goes like this. It's kind of like the drunken Frankenstein. The drunken Frankenstein. It's kind of like, you know, right? But for the parents, for the parents, they're like, oh my gosh, he walked. He took a first step. Oh, um, call mom. Call mom. Oh, let her know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he took a first oh, Post it. Get it on video. We got to post this, you know. It, and everybody's like, that's kind of like falling with grace. You know, that was, that was, I don't know. And it wasn't even that graceful, you know. Other people may be like that, but not the parents, right? The parents come unglued. The parents are so excited for that moment. And when God looks down and he sees someone at Crossroads Church that says, I believe that I was born for such a time as this. I believe that God put destiny in my body. That that, that his spirit is alive in me for a reason other than to sit in this comfortable chair and just be here and just exist. I believe that God has me here for such a time as this, for something bigger than what I am. And when that person gets up and it may to other people look like the drunken Frankenstein, that they're trying to start a life group or they're starting to, you know, volunteer somewhere or they're, they're starting to reach out to somebody else and bring them to Christ and it may look awkward and it may not be that graceful when they start out but when God looks down he rejoices he gets excited when somebody when one of his kids gets up and takes the first step so today God may be wanting you to do the impossible work and listen this this wall to build a wall around a city who are we kidding That's crazy, right? I mean, how do you do that? Well, you got to, before you finish the wall, you got to start the wall. And before you start the wall, you got to decide to start the wall. And before you do that, you got to go look at the place where the wall is going to be. And you got to talk to people that are going to help you. But before you go, because this is three days' journey for Nehemiah to get there. And so before you ever leave, you got to pack your suitcase, don't you? That's where it starts. If you're going to go on vacation, right, you got you to pack the suitcase. And you got to take your retainer with you if you wear a retainer because your teeth will grow crooked if you don't. Because we have preached that at our household for years, all right? Dear God, <laughs> it's not that tough, you know. Bring it. 
Sometimes I just do therapy up here, all right? And you get in on it. So anyway, Nehemiah gathered with his officials and he said to these people, look at this, in Nehemiah chapter 2, he says, Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of my God that was on me with what the king has said to me. They replied, let us start, right? Let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. You have to get up and start. You have to get up and do something. You can't just get in your seat and have warm feelings. And say, oh, I, I hope somebody volunteers. Oh, I hope somebody gives. Oh, I hope somebody meets that need. No, Nehemiah says, somebody needs to do something. That's true. And that somebody might as well be me. It might as well be me. I might as well do something. And God rejoices when it happens. And let me tell you something. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You just have to have the faith to start. You just have the faith to start it. Because I'm telling you, when we started this church, we didn't know what all God was going to do. When we were getting ready to start this church, Rochelle and I drove through neighborhoods around here, and we looked at people, houses springing up all over the place, families you know, coming in now, their households, and we looked at them, and here's what we thought. We thought, you know what? Somebody needs to be reaching these people. Somebody needs to be reaching these folks. Because if somebody doesn't do something, many of these households will end in divorce. If somebody doesn't do something, there'll be depression that'll take hold of the people living in this house until they feel like life's not worth living, even though they live in a nice home. If we don't do something about this, the financial pressures of life in this American culture will come around them like tentacles from the sea and strangle them and crush them if we don't have some kind of financial teaching and help to inspire them. Some of these folks will never bounce back from divorce. Some of these people will never, never be able to go on in life. Some of these people will never know that Jesus did not come to give you rituals and religion, but he came to give you life and life to the full unless somebody does something about this. And so we decided somebody's got to do something and it might as well be us. It might as well be me. And we just had the faith to start. And I've told you this before. We thought we were going to start in a school, but the school said no. And so we looked at the theater. And, and so we started meeting, get, getting ready to meet in the movie theater. But I didn't know how to do church in a movie theater. I didn't know how to do that. But a guy in Seattle, Washington, was doing church in a movie theater. And a guy I knew, knew him and put us together. He got on the phone with me and talked to me about how you need to get carpet where you can roll it out and, and make a nice, clean, spotless uh, nursery in those theaters and, and, and turn it into one of the cleanest nurseries anybody could ever have. 
And so we started buying stuff that we needed to be able to do. And he told me everything, every step, everything, every little detail of what I would need to do to pull off successful church in a movie theater. And I didn't even know this guy. Still have never met him ever in my life. You see, when you step out, when, and, and think about it, you know, for the nursery folks that are volunteering, it would have been great to not do anything because you just set that baby down and they'd never move <laughs> on that sticky floor that, <laughs> of that theater, you know, you just put that diaper down and they'd be there, you know, turn around an hour later, they're still there, you know, but the parents wouldn't be too excited about that. And, and he walked me through all of that. I'm telling you, you don't have the faith maybe today to go to the finish line, but you do have the faith to get started. And if you'll get the faith to go and get started, God will build it along the way. God will bring the people, whether it's from Seattle, Washington, or wherever else he needs to connect them from. He is the God of the universe. He is big enough to know who needs to talk to who and who needs to come across your path. Come on, somebody who knows that our God is amazing and can make it happen so you don't think small but you start small and as you start small God rejoices in it and the second thing you do is you must take the next step you got to take the next step and I don't know what the next step is for you but for Nehemiah he got going into the next step and here, here's what it says but when Sanballat the Horonite, now if you're looking for names for your kids, <laughs> probably not one you want to pick, all right? Just saying. Not that you'd be tempted. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Just because you set out to do something, just because you rise up in faith today and say, you know what, I am going to get in the life group. You know what, I am going to volunteer. You know what, I am going to get more involved. You know what, I am going to start tithing. You know what, I am going to get out of debt. You know what, I am going to get the student loan paid off. I am going to see God work in my marriage and in my future. And, and just because you rise up doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition. There'll be some sand ballots in your life, all right, who will come along and say, Who are you to think you can do this? Who are you to think that, that you're going to do something like this? But here's what you do you just take the next step anyway. You take it anyway. And you just begin to serve. And you just, you know, it's like people at Crossroads Church that you come alone. It's not by choice, but your mate doesn't want to come. And so you come anyway. And you say, you know what? I, I can't control them. All I can do is what I feel God wants me to do. And so you come anyway. Or to the single parent where you wish you had somebody else to help get everybody ready to come to church each week. But they, you don't have that. And so you just make it happen on your own. And each week 
you faithfully make it happen time after time. Or perhaps some of you, you, you think, well, you know, I'll start this, this job, this new career, and, all, and nobody's along to encourage you or to inspire you in that, and it gets so lonely, and you just think, did I do the right thing? Or to the student who comes along, and maybe you're a teenager, and your family doesn't even serve God, and, and, and they don't even know if there is a God, but you come anyway, and you serve God, and you, you, you try to the best of your ability to follow after Him because you believe that if there is a God, He has a purpose for your life, and you're determined to follow in His footsteps. I don't know where this falls with you today, but what I do know is, is when we started in the movie theater, we didn't even know if anybody would show up hardly. We didn't know what would happen, but what I do know is, is we sit on about 25 acres of prime real estate in Hendricks County and hundreds of people come and worship the living God on this place and a bunch of people show that they love Jesus and the power of His Holy Spirit spirit in their lives and I do know that he is alive in this place today and if you know he's alive give him a shout right now my God so I I don't know where where you need to go with this but what I do know is you don't let the start stop you you don't let the sin ballots hold you back I like what St. Francis of Assisi said. He said, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, and then suddenly you are doing the impossible. Isn't that awesome? You know, you just never know what will happen. But here, here's, what, here's how this winds up. I, I got to conclude. Here, here's, here's the way this, this wraps up. Is in 52 days they built the wall. It's amazing. And you know how they did it? One block at a time. And when they laid that first block down, it didn't look like much. We got to go around this whole city. Are you kidding me? Wow, that really made a difference. But 52 days later, there was a wall around the entirety of that city to the glory of God because what happens is is when you dare to step out when you dare to rise up and you be, go beyond inspiration to perspiration and you begin to get active in your faith and you take that first step guess what happens it inspires somebody else to get up and to say you know what if God could use Craig he can use anybody if he can use Nehemiah a cupbearer give me a break all he ever did was lift a cup and, all, and if he can use him to go over there and lift bricks and blocks and begin to build a wall then what could God do with my life and today somebody's going to get inspired because of you getting inspired and as you begin to rise up you'll inspire your children to rise up and generations will be affected because you decided somebody's got to do something and it might as well be me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that if we'll dare to step out, you'll step out with us.
And so today, for that one that needs to step in the right direction, I pray that today will be that day that they'll just have the faith to start. Maybe we don't have the faith to finish, but we've got the faith to start. And we want to honor you, God. We want to build a wall, so to speak, in faith and do something with our lives that's bigger than ourselves. If you're here today and you say, Craig, that's exactly what I want. I want God to use me to do something bigger than I could do on my own. I don't want to just live a mundane life. I don't want to just be status quo. I I don't even know what all that means, and I know it's kind of scary to step out, but I'm willing today to take a first step. I'm willing today to whatever that is for me. I want to follow God all the way. How many are with me on that? You raise a hand right now and say, yes, yes, I want to follow him in faith. Father, I thank you for every hand that's raised. I know in this room there are people you are calling. You are calling. You are calling to yourself. You are calling them to rise up. You are calling them to a higher life, a greater place with you. And I pray, God, that you will help them to take that step, to get off start, to begin to move in your direction. And as they do, miracles will begin to happen in their life. Maybe others of you are here while we're still praying. And you need to move maybe in a new direction in your life. Perhaps you need to go into a higher direction. Maybe the crowd you're hanging with is dragging you down. Maybe the people you associate with are bringing bad choices into your life. And and maybe you need to do something about that. Maybe you need to take a new direction and, and begin to go toward God and begin to move toward Him. And just like Nehemiah, who came to God and said, forgive me, we've sinned against you, I've sinned against you. That same God that forgave Nehemiah will forgive you here today. And if you're here this morning and you need forgiveness and you need a new direction in your life and you need to call on His name and you need to come to Him and you need to begin to move in the direction God has for you, the purpose, the reason that you exist on this planet. If you're here today and you want to commit your life to Christ, will you just raise up a hand and say, yes, that's me. I need to do that this morning. Yes, I see that hand. How many others? How many? Yes, over here. God bless you. Down here. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. How many more? Yes, up up top. I see several hands raised up there as well. All right, let's pray this prayer. Just everybody pray it together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me, to pay for my sin. And I confess I have sinned, but I want to start over. So wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, I want to follow you to the best of my ability and live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's welcome those who made that commitment.